Good morning and welcome to Praying the Psalms, a daily podcast from Doxa Church in Madison, Wisconsin. As a church finds itself isolated from one another physically, we are reading, studying, and praying the Psalms together each morning as a way to join ourselves together spiritually. We want to slow down, get a bigger picture of God and a clearer picture of ourselves, but most of all, we want to join ourselves together around the throne of the one who has joined himself to us. So if you haven't already, grab your Bible and spend some time in Psalm 36. Guys, as we pray through this psalm today, I I just want to start off by by pointing out that that David was just a a man who was delighted in God. And, And this is something that has kind of been standing out to me that this has been abundantly clear to us as we've been praying through the Psalms together, that David truly delighted in God. And this is certainly a major emphasis in, in Psalm 36 as we look at this this morning. But, but David begins this Psalm in a, in a pretty unusual way, like giving us like a succinct, but a really profound analysis of the sinfulness of sin. We see this in, in verses one through four, but then he abruptly turns his focus to talking about the delightfulness of God and the blessings that he bestows to all of his people in verses five through nine. And then this psalm concludes with a prayer to God that that he will continue his loving kindness to his people and to protect them from the wicked. And, And you know, as I was reflecting on this today, here's what I saw that I just wanted to just to give to you today for, for your encouragement and just like your something to, to think about just for your edification that, that David just essentially shows us in stark contrast, two ways to live. That we can live in the deceitfulness of sin or we can live in the delightfulness of God. And as he talks about this, I, I really think that, that he gives us a lot of help. At least he, he gave me a lot of help today with, with how to live in the delightfulness of God. But I just want to consider these, these two ways of, of living this morning. Okay. First, you know, in, in verses one through four, if you look, we, we basically get a snapshot of the life that lives in the deceitfulness of sin. I mean, David says in verse one, transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. And and I really think this is to say that at the heart of sin is just a complete lack of understanding of who God is to such an extent that we, we don't fear him. We, we don't fear him. We don't fear our sin. We, we don't fear like what happens as a result of, of disobedience of sin or anything like that. And so we, we, there's, there's just no thought of God. And then he says in, in verse two, for he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. And then verse three, the, the words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. Because I really believe that David is, is sharing the truth that, that sin just kind of flatters us. It, it entices us into thinking that we really aren't that bad. That we really aren't that sinful. And I, and I think that this is kind of the thing that, that marks the, those who, who walk in the deceitfulness of sin. That, that we think that, that, man, we're honestly, you know, not bad. You know, we, we think about all the ways that, that people live around us and we compare ourselves to that. And when we do this, guys, though, like we're in a really dangerous place because when we think in those ways, we, we won't ever hate our sin. And we'll think that at least I'm not like a, a terrorist. At least I'm not like a, a murderer, a child abuser, a serial killer, like whatever. That sin in our hearts will deceive us into thinking wrongly about ourselves and wrongly about God. And it's just like this slow burn where we gradually get to this place where there's no fear of God, no sight of God. And, and when we think that the, the sin in our life is, is not a big deal, we will excuse 
all of the things that we deem as, as little, like our, we'll excuse our, our lying, our lust, our greed, our gossip, and other such sins because we'll think that somehow this is more, these are like more acceptable sins, right? And, and, and maybe you've, you've been there, right? You, you're just surrounded by people that maybe their life is just like a, a hot mess and you're just seeing like very blatant, destructive sin outwardly. And you're tempted to just look at all that and say, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of good. And you're not like introspective at all. And you don't see the sin that's in every single one of our own hearts. And that nature of sin is that sin is, is separating you from God, keeping you from really delighting in him. This is what sin does. It deceives us and, and it causes us to think wrongly about ourselves. And this is really the result of a fallen heart. And this sin that's in all of our hearts, guys, if, if remained unchecked and unreconciled, it eventually moves to our actions. As we see in verse four, where David pictures this person on his bed, just kind of plotting out what he's going to do. Right? It, just, it doesn't just stay dormant in our hearts, but it starts in our hearts and then it moves to our mouths. As David says, we start talking about it and then we're laying there thinking about how do we act on this? And I'll be honest, guys, you know, like to many people in our world today, this, this kind of sinful conversation and even disposition, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But if you look to the end of the Psalm, David reminds us the outcome of those who live in the deceitfulness of sin apart from the grace of Jesus. He says in verse 12 that, that really judgment is coming. And for those who are apart from Jesus, it's going to be just a really terrible day. And this is how David starts off this psalm. Now, it's so weird because without any transition, as if his contemplation of how sin flatters and, and deceives is, is so horrific, David kind of just like abruptly shifts his focus and he starts talking about the delightfulness of God. And guys, as he does this, like we get this, this picture of, of like those people who live in the delightfulness of God and not the deceitfulness of sin. And in verse five through nine, it really, you know, as I was reading this and praying through this today, it, it, as I was reading it, it feels like light and airy and peaceful as David is talking about this way of living and, and delighting in God. I mean, it, I found myself like drawn into it. I was like, yes, I need that. I want that. Like it, it felt good, feels good. But we get this picture of those who live in the delightfulness of God. Like David says that, that they take refuge in God. We see this in verse 7, that, that they're satisfied in God. Verse 8, that they're living in the fullness of life in verse 9. And, and this is something that I think as we're reading it and, and we're like feeling like compelled and drawn to it, it's because this is like invitational. It's, it's beautiful. That God is, is wooing us to himself by, by showing us like, what it would look like to, to be with him, to walk in the delightfulness of, of him. But the question is that I've thought about today is, is this, is like, how do I keep myself there? Like, okay, I have faith in Jesus and I've, I've definitely experienced delighting in God, and, but how do I keep myself there? And here's what popped in my head. I, I, I really think that, that we need to grow an affection that is stronger than temptation. As we meditate on this psalm, I think David gives us three things that, that I saw today that stirred my affections for God, that really just caused sin to lose its appeal in my life so I'm not gradually enticed by sin and drift away from God, but it'll keep my affections stirred for him, loving him, pursuing him, and wanting to live in the delightfulness of God. So real quickly, three things that, that I took from this. 
that when we know this about God, it will stir our affection for him and cause us to run to him and not run to sin. The first one is, if you look at verse 5, it says that your, your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens. David talks about this love that extends to the heavens, this crazy love that is totally radically different from the love that we experience in our physical relationships. It's this love that, that never fails, never wavers, never changes, never leaves. And that even when we turn on him, he comes running after us like this, this steadfast love of God. That even in the midst of your brokenness, in the midst of our sin, God was there and, and Jesus died for that. That's his steadfast love. I mean, think about that. Verse six, David says, your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beast, you save, O Lord. And, and to this, you know, I was thinking about this, that the love of God is not just something that God feels, but it's something that God does. And, and David mentions the saving of man and beast as he does this. He's basically saying, hey, if God takes care of the animals, we know that he will take care of us. And the truth is, is that Jesus has, that his righteousness has prevailed. Our faith has, has saved us through the work of Jesus. And, and even today, you can let your mind recall the time that you came to Jesus. Let your mind recall the time that you heard the gospel in a saving way and how sweet it sounded. Let your mind go there and let that stir your affection. And then verse eight, David says, they feast on the abundance of your house. And this is to say that these people are just completely satisfied in God, that they don't need to run to sin, which never satisfies because we've tried that, right? We try and run to all these different sins and we're left empty. But these people that are walking and living in the delightfulness of God, they, they have found satisfaction, complete satisfaction in God. Guys, this is like affection-stirring truths that, that really has just got me amped up today. Okay, if you can't tell, okay, I'm like sweating a little bit, my heart's beating. But, but if we let this drip into our hearts, because it will keep us running after Jesus because sin will lose its appeal because Jesus is better, Jesus is greater, Jesus is more beautiful. And David even prays for this in verse 10. He says, oh, continue your steadfast love to those who know you and your righteousness to the upright. That even though that we who have come to know God through Jesus Christ and have experienced his grace and love, we need a continuing steady flow of his steadfast love. And this is something so practical that you can pray today. I mean, seriously, as soon as this ends, we're going to pray here in just a minute, but ask God to help you know the steadfast love that he has for you. Ask him to stir your affection and to help you live in his delight. So let's pray. God, that's my, my prayer. That's our prayer. God, would you just show us your steadfast love, your crazy affection for us? Holy Spirit, would you remind to us our minds, remind our, our minds of like the time when you broke in and showed us how much you love us. Remind us of the gospel. And God, would you just stir our affections for loving you and for following you? Help us to live in your delightfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.